All right, it's fun having the kids in to do the countdown for us. That was wonderful. So I wanted the, the kids to, uh, to be in for this first story because they're going to help us with an activity. Uh, and as we, as we start, I wanted to, to tell a story about uh, something called the mosquito ringtone. Some of you may have heard of it before. Uh, back in like the mid-2000, somewhere around 2004 to 2006, uh, over in England, there were a bunch of shop owners who were dealing with the issue of having teenagers loiter out in front of their shops. And uh, as, as you know, loitering uh, can be something that keeps customers from coming into the shops. And so the shop owners were trying to figure out, what do we do with all these teenagers that are out in front of our shop? How do we get them to go away? Legally, we can't do anything. They can hang out here if they want. One of the shop owners realized uh, uh, he, he had heard something that might work to get rid of the teenagers. He, uh, so he, he, he found this high-pitched frequency, which was the most annoying sound in the world. And he realized that at a certain pitch, the frequency couldn't be heard by people who had kind of older ears. And the technology actually showed him that like, you, could, you could play it at such a high frequency that if you're 18 and older, you couldn't hear it. Or if you were 30 and older, you couldn't hear it. Or if you were 50 and older, you couldn't hear it. So he started to play this sound. And, uh, and it became kind of like a repellent for the teenagers. And he called it mosquito teenage repellent. It was like this sonic repellent that he'd play. And the teenagers, it would just drive them nuts because it was so loud. And, uh, and so they wouldn't come around the shops anymore. And, and we actually have the sound. Uh, can, can we play the sound real quick? Sure. All right, everyone be really quiet. Can anyone hear it? Okay, so who can hear that noise? Pretty much everyone. Okay, how, what was that frequency, Tim? Okay, so how old do you have to be to hear that one? Everyone. Okay, so everyone can hear that sound. It was kind of annoying sound, right? So there's a sound. Say, say if you're if you're 40 and over, play play what that sound would be. You shouldn't be able to hear this. Can anyone not hear that? Okay, this is like giving away age, right? It's like, oh no. <laughs> How about let's do 30 and, o 30 and over? So if you can hear that one, raise your hand. OK, not bad, not bad. Let's do 24 and under. Raise your hand if you can hear that one. I can't hear that one. All right, and then 18 and under. You can hear 18 and under. Some kids, you can hear it? <laughs> All right, great. Well, so, so they started to play this noise, this high-pitched sound. And obviously, as we heard it, especially the 50 and older, I've got old ears. I could hear it. It's kind of an annoying sound. So the shop owner started to play this sound, realizing that the children could hear it, but adults would walk in, and you know, they wouldn't hear anything. So an interesting ha thing happened. Teenagers realized what was going on <laughs> with this high-pitchy sound, that they could hear it and that the adults couldn't. So they take it, and they turn it into a ringtone for their cell phones. <laughs> so then they could have their cell phone on in class, and it would go off, and the teachers wouldn't hear it. <laughs> so like, they take the technology, and they're using it against the adults. Um, just a, a brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, way that teenagers are taking over the world. All right, children, you guys can be dismissed to your class. Thank you so much for, for being in on that activity. <laughs> So I wanted to, to share this story 
of the mosquito ringtone uh, because it, it gives us the realization that there are some things there are some things that as we get older, our ears become dull, we can't hear. Children can hear things that us as adults can no longer hear. Our ears have become too tired. Our ears have become uh, beat up by the noise of this world. And I wanted to kind of start off with this example because today we're talking about this idea of God speaking to us. So this mosquito ringtone I want to keep in mind as we open up to... 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you want to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is a time uh, in history of God's people, in the Old Testament, uh, when God would speak through prophets and priests. And at this point in Israel's history, we find that they haven't heard from the Lord in a while. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, I'll start reading, and I want you to just kind of listen to the details of the story. Verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the high priest at the time, and the boy Samuel was this young child who was dedicated to the temple. It says, In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. But the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Now, I can understand this. Our children, uh, we were kind of switching uh, rooms around in our house with a new baby coming, and we put Ezra into Micah's room. And so like in the middle of the night, they're constantly getting up and coming to our bed and waking us up. And so it happens once, and it's like, okay, go back to bed. You know, Sometimes it'll happen two or three times, and you start to get annoyed. And what we find here, Eli says, I didn't call you. So Samuel goes and he, he lays down. Verse 6, it says, Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, you called me. Which Eli responds, My son, I did not call you. Go and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. He did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli was super frustrated and annoyed. No. It says, uh, then Eli realized that the Lord, the Lord, was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, Calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I'm about to do something in Israel, and it will make the ears of all those who hear about it 
tingle. Tingle is an interesting word. I don't know what the Hebrew is for that. But God's about to do something that's going to open up the ears, something significant. And it's interesting in this story, God comes and he speaks to Samuel. And Eli's in the temple. Eli's the high priest. And for whatever reason, the message isn't going to Eli. It's going to this young boy, Samuel. So you start to kind of read some of the history and backstory on Eli. Uh, what you find is that he's not necessarily a, a terrible person, but for whatever reason, God has not been able to get through to him. And now he's going to someone younger. And he speaks to Samuel. Samuel responds. And then it tells us that the word of God goes to Samuel, and then it goes out to all of Israel. It goes out to all of Israel. Samuel has this availability where he's able to hear from God, and God speaks to him. As we consider this question this week, how does God speak to us? First and foremost, we establish this thought that God desires to speak to us. We're in this relationship with God, this covenant relationship with God, where he has this desire to communicate with us. God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And much like Eli, and much like uh, me being unable to hear the high-pitched frequency, so often our ears become dull to the voice of God. There's almost like this spiritual dullness that comes with age. As we consider how God speaks to us, there's all sorts of things that might get in the way. It's like maybe we've, you know, we, we've seen you know, people talk about how they've heard from God, and it's been like a real destructive message in the past, so we just assume if God's speaking to us, then you know, it's probably you know, not sincere. Or maybe we have the world all figured out, and we know God only works like this or speaks like this, and so if he's going to speak to me, it's not going to look like that. And, Really what's happening is that we've become too busy and distracted to receive a word from God. There's almost like this spiritual oldness that we get where our ears become dull to the voice of God. Sometimes it's refreshing to have children around because there's this hopeful optimism that God speaks in unexpected ways. Last week we started a series called Rooted what we believe and why it matters. And we decided that uh, for the next two months, we were going to go through this series called Rooted and talk about kind of like, here's some of the essentials to the Christian faith. Last week, we had a nice, easy question, who is God, uh, that we wrestled with? Tom Hagenon, I gave it to him because I didn't want to deal with it. Tough question. <laughs> but he did a good job. And we, we talked about how, as we start to talk about these essentials of our faith as the people of God, uh, this isn't just informational. This is formational. As we wrestle with these concepts of who is God, how does it speak, God starts to form us to be a certain kind of people. So last week we wrestled with who is God, and this week the question is posed, how does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? And I wonder how you would, would answer such a question. How does God speak? If we look through Scripture, to see how God speaks to us, what we'll find is some pretty interesting answers. One of the first times that God speaks, he speaks, uh, he speaks to, to Moses. He comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush. We find in Exodus, uh, there's this story where uh, uh, 
Moses is out and uh, in the middle of a desert, in the middle of the wilderness, and the angel of the Lord shows up, and he speaks to them through this bush, and it talks about how the bush is not consumed by a fire, but the bush is burning, and God speaks through this burning bush that's not being consumed by the fire. An interesting way for God to speak. There's another story that takes place with this man named Balaam who's riding a donkey. And as he's riding a donkey, uh, uh, there's this angel of the Lord that appears before the donkey, trying to get a hold of Balaam, trying to get through to Balaam. Balaam doesn't understand it. The donkey sees it. The donkey kicks Balaam off. Balaam starts screaming at the donkey, and then the donkey starts to speak. And you think, well, that's strange, right? God speaks through this donkey. Again and again throughout scripture we find an angel showing up and God speaking through an angel. An angel is this messenger of God that comes kind of in these unexpected ways. Obviously we know the Christmas story, the choir of angels showing up. There's different times where there's different forms of messengers show up. And what we, what we, as we look through scripture and we, we see how God shows up and speaks, what we find is a bunch of kind of just strange ways that God decides to speak. I think there's something in there that kind of opens us up to like, yeah, God, God will kind of take any avenue to speak to us that he wants. I remember as a child kind of wanting to hear from God. I would, I would hear these stories about, uh, you know, Solomon, you know, praying in the middle of the night and God showing up and speaking to him. And I thought, if only God could speak to me like he would speak throughout scripture. If only God would speak to me the way that he used to speak in the, old, the good old days, right? Then it would be easy to, to, to just obey what God God says, and so I oftentimes as a children just say, I wish God would speak the way that he used to speak. But then as you kind of look through scripture again and you see all these strange ways that God speaks that are always surprising, or also you look at the life of a man like Abraham. We know Abraham, we kind of think of him as this father of the faith, this, you know, this direct line to God. God shows up and speaks in his life. But then as you read through the life of Abraham, you find that God only speaks like five to seven times to Abraham. And when God speaks to Abraham, those special situations are spread out over the course of like 40 years. And so we read through that in like three minutes and we think, I wish God would just speak and reveal like his will to me and tell me what to do. And then we forget that even someone like Abraham, when he hears from God, it's spread out. There's, there's times in his life, he goes literally, well, like 10 years between God speaking. And I think, I wish God would just speak like that. And and then there's this reminder, you know what, maybe he does. Maybe he does speak to us the same way he does in Scripture. We just read it so quickly, we forget the long periods of time in between God speaking. There's something very revealing about a, another story about this man named Elijah, who's a prophet, uh, who, who's this mouthpiece for God. And Elijah finds himself in trouble, everyone's trying to basically kill him because of the message that he has from God. So we find him running away, running away from the danger, and he goes out to this mountain of the Lord, and he's hiding in this cave. And he's kind of like, now what, Lord? What am I supposed to do now? My life is in danger. What's going to happen next? And it says an angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him to go out onto this mountain and to overlook kind of the valley. And as Elijah goes out onto this mountain, it says God is about to speak. God's about to come to you and reveal what to do next. And Elijah, as he's on this mountain, uh, the, the text tells us, the story tells us that this mighty wind comes and it, and it hits the mountain. Like hurricane power storm hits the mountain. And it says that it like shreds rocks. It's just this violent, mighty, loud wind. 
But then the text tells us that God is not in the wind. Elijah is waiting to hear from God. And you would think in some mighty act of God, God would speak, but it says God's not in the wind. Right after this great storm, there's an earthquake that comes, and it shakes this mountain that Elijah is upon. But then the text tells us that God's not in the earthquake. Another act of God, but God isn't in the earthquake. And then Elijah sees this huge fire that starts to spread across this valley on this mountain, and it consumes everything in its path, and it's violent and powerful, but it says that God is not in the fire. And you have this violent wind, this violent earthquake, this consuming fire, and it says God is not there. But after those things happen, after the storm, Elijah's sitting there, and it says that God then speaks to Elijah. And it says that God speaks to him in a gentle whisper. I think there's something revealing about that. God speaks to Elijah in the midst of this chaos, powerful, noisy, violent circumstances afterwards in a gentle whisper, a still, small voice. God speaks to Elijah. So if we try to understand how does God speak to us, what we find through Scripture is all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it's right in your face. But what I love about the story about Elijah is I feel like Really, when we kind of consider the consistency of how God speaks in our world, what we find is oftentimes, more often than not, it happens in a gentle whisper. God is in the silence. And if you think about how powerful silence can be, how uncomfortable silence can be, when we take moments pause in this busy world. We're reminded that God speaks clearly in the silence. So we consider how God consistently speaks to us. Really, there's kind of five consistent experiences that the people of God would say that they encounter, encounter God's word. Um, five ways of experiencing God. If we go to the next slide. Really, it's through kind of prayer, scripture, people, other people, creation, and circumstances. We would say there's this consistency where God speaks outside of this in different ways that oftentimes can surprise us, but consistently these five experiences of prayer, scripture, people, creation, circumstances, God reveals his will and his heart to his people. Considering prayer, right, that's kind of like the Sunday school answer, right? How does God speak to us? Obviously, prayer is how we communicate with God. Oftentimes when I pray, uh, I have something to say. So I come to God out of uh, requesting something. I come to God giving thanks for something. I come to God out of desperation. But I'm usually doing the talking. And that's a great way to pray because God tells us to pray that way. He tells us to come to him with our requests, to come to him with our needs. He wants us to do that. He wants us to communicate to him. But the prayer where God speaks to us requires listening. And sometimes I'm reminded of this, like how often is it that I pray to God where I'm not the one that has the agenda? Where I'm simply coming to God in prayer where I sit and I wait and I listen. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, Mother Teresa has been given uh, the status of a saint. And uh, when you look at her life, what you find is that she, she gave her entire life to, to serving the least of these 
and uh, just an, an incredible life to follow, the life of Mother Teresa, what she's able to do. Uh, she was once being interviewed by a very prestigious news anchor on the national news, and he was talking to, to Mother Teresa about her prayer life. And he said, well, Mother Teresa, like, what, what is it that you say when you pray? What is it that you communicate to God? And she said, I don't say anything when I pray. I, I listen. And the news anchor said, well, oh, yeah, oh, okay, of course, of course. Well, what, what does God say to you then when you listen? And Mother Teresa said, I, he doesn't say anything to me. God listens. And the news anchor looked confused, and she said, if you, if you can't understand that, then I can't explain to you what prayer is. And how often do, do we think of prayer as this place where we just create space to be with God? Prayer is this place where we don't necessarily have an agenda, although sometimes we do, but we spend time communing and abiding with the creator of the universe, creating space to listen. This is hard for me to do. I've got three children, uh, I'm in grad school, I've got a job, busy. Like, how do you slow down and stop? I've got Netflix, right? Play Clash of Clans on my phone. It's constant distractions. Uh, one of the practices I've learned it comes from Psalm 46. When it comes to our prayer life, from listening to God, I have found this practice to be helpful. Psalm 46 talks about this idea of being still and knowing that he is God. And you can kind of walk through this uh, Psalm 46 as a prayer that helps you center and slow down. And to recite it, be still and know he is God sit in silence and just meditate on that, that he is God. And then to recite again, be still and know that he is. And consider all the things that God is in this life. To slow down and recite again, be still and to know he. What is it that we know of God personally? To be still and know. To be still and simply to be. I'll go through this kind of activity in my own prayer life because it helps me slow down and center. It removes kind of my agenda when I pray and allows me to just sit with God. And when we consider that God speaks to us through prayer, we have to be willing to just slow down, to stop, to embrace the silence and create space for God to speak to us, to be still. Second experience where God speaks to us is through Scripture. Through Scripture. And we know that uh, we, we call Scripture God's Word, that God reveals Himself to us through Scripture. There's a lot to be said about what that means, that, that this is the Word of God. What we believe about Scripture, though, is that as it's written over thousands of years by uh, a number of different authors, we would say that it's divinely inspired literature. It's this love letter to God where he takes a bunch of different authors, a bunch of different experiences, a, a, a bunch of different interactions, and he speaks his words into those authors for us. We would say that scripture is divinely inspired when it was written. Which means every single time that we come to scripture, there's something sacred that happens. We have this encounter with God. And I think about my life, how often I, I just kind of take that fact for granted. How often I'll, 
I'll kind of skim through scripture real quick, looking to find something that helps me win an argument. You know, we use scripture for all sorts of different things. How often do we simply come to it and allow God to speak to us? There's an ancient practice in the church used uh, to help read scripture, and it's something that like our staff has been doing uh, recently in our staff meetings. It's called Lectio Divina. And if we believe that scripture is written and it's divinely inspired as it's written, Lectio Divina means uh, a divine reading. And so as we come to scripture, there's another practice that we do where we, we open ourselves up and say, God, as we read this, we want you to divinely inspire us. What word is it that you have for us today as we open up this scripture? So we go through this activity where we slow down and we'll take a passage of scripture, say like Psalm 23, and we read it together. And the first time we read through the scripture, we simply just read. And we listen. And we pray. And then the second time we read the scripture, we meditate on the words of the passage. Thinking of phrases that pop up, certain things that God's revealing to us through the text. And then the third time we read through it and we pray. We pray that God would speak to us in the midst of this text. And then the fourth time we read through it, we contemplate what it means for us. And how often is it that we come to Scripture and we slow down and we go through it again and again and say, God, speak to us through this word. God speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to us through Scripture. And then he also speaks to us through people. He speaks to us through community. And I thought this would be a great time to shamelessly plug our community groups. But we consider how God speaks to us. Uh, the reason that we want to be in community is that when we, we do community with each other, when we hear what's going on in each other's life, and when we decide to love each other the way that Christ loved us, we give words of life to each other. We give words of, words of hope and encouragement and guidance. And we need community because God speaks to us through each other. And what happens is the more we get to know each other, the more we get to trust each other, the more we open up our lives to receive words from God. So this happens, yes, in the context of community groups. This happens on Sunday morning. This happens having coffee throughout the week with each other. But God uses us to sharpen each other, to encourage one another. And something meaningful happens when we're in uh, a community that is inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak to each other. There's certain times in my life where I'm making huge decisions and, you know, I've got the prayer thing down and I'm praying and this is what I feel like God's revealing to me and I'm reading through this scripture and I'm thinking, yeah, this aligns with what I think God, you know, wants me to do, and then I'll talk to some really close and dear friends, and they say, no, that's crazy. You're not, you're not hearing right. And it's something that helps me kind of steer back. It's almost this way that there's these checks and balances where I can come to prayer, and I'll have this own agenda in my life where I want to accomplish something. And then I'm reminded from people that love me, like, yeah, I don't know if God's saying that. When we're in community with each other, God speaks to us through each other in meaningful ways. Fourth experience is that God speaks to us uh, through his creation. Romans talks about how God is revealing himself to all people through creation. God speaks to us through creation. 
Earlier in our, our time of worship, uh, Tim uh, read Psalm 14. And I love the words because I feel like it reveals this desire of God to speak to us. It says, uh, oh, so, I'm sorry, Psalms, uh, Psalm 19. Psalm 19 says this, verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. And night after night they display knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet their voice goes out into all the earth. The words to the ends of the earth. God speaks to us through his creation. Again, this is something in our digital world, living in a mega suburb, sometimes we miss, where God reveals to us his message through creation. One of my favorite ways to communicate with God is hiking Camelback Mountain. I talk a lot about how I like to hike, and I feel like there's something about being up on that mountain, seeing the red rock cliffs, looking out over the whole city. There's something sacred up there that happens. Like God speaks to me, reminding me of how big and how vast he is. Uh, if you ever see it raining in Phoenix and you see clouds over Camelback Mountain, drop whatever you're doing and hike. I don't know if that's safe or not. I keep give, constantly giving like unsafe hiking tips. But to be up on, McDowell Mount, or on uh, Camelback Mountain uh, while it's raining is just glorious. God speaks to us through his creation. He speaks to us through, uh, through nature. Not in a way that's uh, bizarre or strange, but in a way that reveals his glory to us. It's kind of like that time of year when sunsets are great. And if you have like Instagram or Facebook, you constantly see people trying to capture the beauty of the sunset because it points to us that there is some great creator. We're never able to quite capture what that moment feels like. But it's like this reminder that there's this God who has set all of this in motion. There's this God that has created all of this and he's glorious and majestic. God speaks to us through creation in ways that words can't communicate. And finally, God speaks to us through our circumstances. Consistently, we find followers of, of Jesus say, he speak, speaks in this way. We consider our circumstances. We consider what we're going through. God is revealing to us his word. I'm a big fan, fan of uh, C.S. Lewis. I like to quote him a lot. Uh, but he has this book talking about the problem with pain. And he talks about kind of the different things that we go through in life, how God's always speaking to us through our circumstances. But there's something that unique that happens when we go through something painful. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's right. But it means that all of a sudden when we go through something painful, we're open up to, to God's voice in our life. He has this quote, I think it's great. It says, we can ignore even pleasure when it comes to circumstances, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And when I think about that, I, I consider the times where I've gone through the most difficult circumstances in life. And oftentimes when I go through those circumstances, I have no idea what the outcome is. I have no idea how it's redemptive. I have no idea why it's happening. But it's when I'm able to look back five, ten years later, God speaks. It makes it extremely difficult when I'm in the midst of it. But I believe God takes all of our circumstances and he's telling us something about uh, 
this world and the world to come. God speaks to us in the midst of circumstances. He speaks to us through those circumstances. And when we look back at our life, we see how God has been speaking this whole time. So how does God speak? I can't give just an easy answer for that. God speaks in multiple ways. Consistently, we find it in prayer and scripture and people and nature and circumstances. But the truth is that God wants to speak to us. God has a, a word for all of us. And maybe as we kind of approach this question, we're asking the wrong question. Not so much, how does God speak? Maybe the right question is, how do we listen? How is it that we are attuned to God's voice in our life? How do we listen to the voice of God? Are we too busy do we come to prayer with our own agenda? Are we constantly distracted? How is it that God listens? So today, as Tim comes up and, and closes us, we're going to take some time uh, to move to communion. And I just want us to consider this question. How does God speak? And how do we listen? As we wrestle with the ways that God speaks to us, um, as we move to communion, my, heart, my hope is to create space where we could just open up our heart, our soul, our ears. That we could say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We take communion each week here at Desert City. Communion is something sacred for us that represents the story that we are all a part of, of God's salvation in this world. When we go to communion, there's this physical, symbolic act of God's work and activity in the world. There's a piece of bread that we invite you to take. That bread represents the body of Christ, that God came and lived and walked among us as humans. And his body was broken open on the cross. And we take the juice, and the juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for us. We believe that through Christ breaking his body open and pouring his blood out on the cross. Through his death, he conquered death. By him being broken, uh, he starts to put all of our brokenness back together. And as we come to this moment today where we take these elements, I want to approach it with inviting God to speak in ways that we have either forgotten to listen in ways that we've become too dull, in ways that we've stopped looking, in ways that we've stopped being available to God, inviting him to speak today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for prayer, for communicating with us. Lord, that you would be the creator of the universe, you're God on high. You love us so much that you meet us on a personal level with words of life, with words of wisdom, with guidance. Today, Lord, we just want to be open to your voice. We want to be open to the word that you have for us. Lord, some of us wrestling with difficult decisions, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. Some of us wrestling, wrestling with uncertainty of the future, we need your peace. 
some of us so busy and stressed and anxious. We need your presence. So Lord, we just ask today that you would speak to us, that our ears would tingle with your word. You'd form us to be your people. In your son's name we pray.